It is Niall Boyle and with you right to about one o'clock or so today for the next hour or so. We've a lot to get to, including a very interesting email, which I won't talk about at the moment. And also, by the way, it's very disappointing to see Iceland has closed down. And it seems without telling its staff, because there are messages online from staff members who turned up this morning for work in Iceland. But unfortunately, the shutters were down and it seems Iceland are closed. We'll give you more information on that as we go on throughout the show. And hopefully we get to talk to one of those staff as well. And there is lots in the news, of course, and Pater Tobin is back in the news again because he has proposed a bill that biological males should not be in women's prisons. Now, to be clear, according to the Minister for Justice, or what should I say, the standing Minister for Justice at the time, Simon Harrods, he clarified to Pater Tobin that there was only two transgender males in women's prisons. But let's talk to Pater and see what he says. Pater, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to you, Niall. Uh, Pater, look, I mean, this, of course, is a very interesting situation where you've got a man who can identify as a woman. He may not even be a woman or transgender, but can identify just to get, I suppose, the luxury of staying in a women's prison. But there is a more dangerous element to this as well. And this is, of course, why you have brought in this proposed bill. Yeah, so we believe in a compassionate society, first of all. But we also believe there's a necessity to have a little bit of common sense uh, in society as well. And common sense is sorely missing currently from the government's approach uh, in relation to gender. So as you know, the government brought in, uh, a previous government brought in the Gender Recognition uh, Bill, which basically allowed for self-ID. And it means that at the moment, any man in the whole country can uh, apply for a gender recognition certificate, which means that by law, then he is treated as a woman. And there's no gatekeeper, there's no doctor, there's no psychiatrist, there's no psychotherapist who analyzes uh, the individual to see, is this a genuine uh, situation that has occurred or is this an opportunist looking to take advantage of a loophole in the uh, the law uh, for nefarious reasons? Um, and as a result, you know, what we are seeing at the moment is we have two male-born sex offenders currently in uh, Limerick prison. And, you know, the, the most high profile of those is Barbie Kardashian, uh, who people may have known uh, is a, a male-born sex offender currently in Limerick prison. He is a, a person... Uh, who has threatened to rape and sexually assault and do enormous physical damage uh, to his mother. Uh, and he is deemed to be extremely dangerous. Uh, and yet the government, you know, incomprehensibly, uh, I can't get my head around it still, have located this prisoner in a women's prison uh, in, in Limerick. And, you know, this is, is a threat to both the uh, female prisoners in the prison, but also the female prison officers who are working in the prison. Now, currently, Barbie Kardashian is basically in solitary confinement and has to have um, a, a number of prison officers with him at all times. But the prison itself is struggling to work out how to deal with this prisoner because of the crazy situation that exists. And we believe that the government are derelict in their duty in terms of the protection of women in, um, in, 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 their, in their protection as such, in, in, in their uh, resident in that prison, the government has a responsibility to make sure that any women in those prisons or anywhere else in society uh, are protected. Now, but did, in, did, in Leo, did Leo Varadkar recently not only speak to Grip Media in relation to this and see he said, and from what he well, certainly suggested from his own words, that he didn't agree with this. But you've got Simon Harris, of course, who was the then stand-in Minister for Justice who spoke to you when you asked for information on this, saying this was the case. And I noticed Conor Gallagher actually wrote a piece in the Irish Times and he was quite critical, actually, maybe not directly at you, but of those who even objected to this by saying there are just two gen- transgender inmates held in Irish prisons. That's 
or 0.04% of the prison population. Even taking into account the small size of Ireland's prison population, it's a tiny number. He said devising policy for these prisoners is a complex issue that involves balancing of rights of the inmates, their fellow prisoners and prison staff. And, and what he's more or less saying was, look, there's bigger fish to fry. There's more important things happening in the country than two people in a male prisons, you know, which hold 5,000 people roughly uh, across the country. So what's the big deal? That's the kind of point he's making, I think. Okay, so the first issue there is, yes, the Taoiseach was put under pressure uh, through that gripped interview uh, to answer the question, should male-born prisoners uh, be in women's prisons? And, you know, I think that he he answered instinctually, understanding the real politique that if he said something different, it would have actually caused some serious political damage uh, in relation to, to that. So remember, most of the political polling that's happening currently by you know, independent polling companies in Ireland show that the vast majority of people are completely opposed to male-born prisoners uh, being placed into female prisons. And indeed, in other countries like Scotland, for example, it has become serious political crisis. Well, it's brought the government. Well, it brought the government down, didn't it? Essentially, in, in yeah, Scotland, it, it, it in part led to the resignation yeah. of, of Nicola Sturgeon, who was deemed the golden child of Scottish politics up well, until that moment. Well, certainly not anymore. She's been arrested at this stage, so she's not sure. the golden child now. No, she's had a significant fall from grace. There's no doubt about that. But the, the, the key issue, I think, is that in other political jurisdictions where they have a more balanced media regime, there are actual debates around this. Now, outside your good self and, and a, a handful of other individuals in the media in Ireland, there's very few people willing to even discuss this. Now, so now I do hear this question that's, that's, that's put forward to say, well, this is just a small amount of, of, of male-born prisoners. First of all, they can have a big impact. They can roar and shout sexual abuse uh, and uh, and horrendous things to both other inmates right through the prison and to prison officers. Secondly, I would ask you, what is the threshold that we should reach before we actually deem it important to protect women from that type of abuse? Surely we should be saying that actually no abuse against uh, women is, is tolerable at all. And we have this really strange situation that right now, because of the Gender Recognition uh, Act, uh, a, a, a person who is prosecuted for rape can apply for a gender recognition certificate and then be put into a women's prison. Now, the logic of that is incredible. I find it amazing, Niall, that that I have to explain to people that for 200 years in prisons and in bathrooms and changing rooms, we've had safe spaces for women. Well, well, that was my next question. If we're talking about prisons, which is a space, essentially, so women's prisons are for women, men's prisons are for men, juvenile detention centres are for juveniles. So if we're talking about spaces where we categorise people to keep them safe, well, then, do we extend that then? Because the bill, obviously, that you were talking about that AIM2 have proposed is only in relation to prisons. But should that be extended across all walks of life in, in relation to women's spaces? And, by the way, men have spaces too. But we don't talk about that as much because it's a very small percentage of uh, women who want to become men, for example. So it is mainly men that are identifying as women. So do we talk about you know other spaces for women, like bathrooms, changing rooms? These are the divisive debates that have happened around the world. Is it time to start looking at that as well? Yeah, so it, it, the first issue is we have historically had the logic of safe, safe places for women because, unfortunately, uh, there is a, a, a reality that most assaults and sexual assaults that happens to women uh, is perpetrated by men. And, and that's just the reality of it. And every Absolutely. year we see uh, that happening. Now, it's not exclusive, but it is by far... The, the, the vast majority of those assaults happen by men. So to protect women from those 
potential assaults, predators, or opportunists in this area, we've had the logic of safe spaces. Now, it just amazes me that today I still have to explain that to the political establishment. The reason for that. So, you know, you've but, made but, a, but, a, a but they're point. afraid. But they're, you know as well as I do that they're afraid to say anything. I mean, if you, I mean, we've seen it recently with politicians being asked, "What is a woman, or can a woman have a penis?" And they're they're terrified to even answer the question. So, this bill that you've brought up now, they'd be terrified to even debate this in the Oireachtas because somebody's going to ask. Yeah, but someone's going to ask the question: Is it okay for a woman to have a penis? Someone's going to ask that question, and and the answer from some politician is going to be, "Well, probably, yeah." You know, I mean, because they're afraid well, to say no. It's, it's amazing that there is a protest group that comes to the Doyle fairly regularly now who are protesting against male-born sex offenders being in women's prisons. And they have stopped a number of TDs and asked them, what is a woman? And interestingly enough, Sinn Féin's owner of Brain was asked that question, and it took him 25 minutes to answer Ma- that I, I, I've but- seen the video. Imagine a very intelligent man not being able to ask a very basic question without pandering, pandering to this kind of virtue signaling and this minority group. I mean, it is incredible. There is- there is real fear around this as well. Um, I, I, was, I sat in a studio with a Fine Gael minister a number of years ago, and we were um, in, 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 in a Virgin Media uh, studio, while in RTE at the same time, uh, Graham Linehan was uh, on primetime to discuss these issues. Outside of primetime, outside the RTE gates, you had young Labour uh, protesters protesting even the right of Graham to speak on these that. issues. yes. Yeah, and, and I spoke to the, the Fine Gael ministers and I said, this is absolutely ridiculous that people are, are protesting to deplatform a man simply because he believes that a woman is an adult female. And, and I said, what do you think? And that Fine Gael minister said, you're absolutely right. I think it's ridiculous. It, 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 it shouldn't be tolerated. And I said, well, why don't you speak up? And he said, I can't, because if he did, you'd have the head taken off you. And I'll give you a small example of that. That's Last crazy, night we had a we had a public meeting in uh, Dublin 15, and that public meeting was a meeting on just simply defending parents' rights in education and trying to push back on the, the culture wars that the government are forcing upon very young children in education. Now, we had it booked into a particular um, uh, hotel or, or, or an inn, if you like, uh, in Dublin 15. Five or six people on Twitter basically wrote in uh, to the um to the, to the hotel and lied shockingly and you know really ignorantly about what the meeting was about. And as a result, the hotel pulls the access to the room for that particular meeting. Now, I rang the manager and the owner of that meeting, both of them, when I asked them, do you know what the meeting is about? I said, no, I actually don't have any idea what the meeting is about. And I said, well, well, how can you justly cancel this meeting? They said, simply, listen, we don't want the hassle. And it's funny because the manager actually said, when I explained what the meeting was about, he said, I agree 100% about the content of the meeting. I have kids myself going to school, and I want to be able to ensure that parents have influence over what's happening uh, in, in the classroom. But still, the meeting was pulled. And, um, but so in, the, in the, but the problem is, it's only a minority of people, and it is only a minority of people, uh, that you know go along with this kind of stuff. But yet, that minority are quite vocal and quite loud, and they get people cancelled on a regular basis. Uh, and people are afraid to talk about it. Back to the bill, anyway. So, the proposed bill um, that you've put forward proposes that male-born prisoners should only be incarcerated in a male prison. Is that yes. So just, and just finally on, on that other point, that meeting went ahead uh, in another location in Dublin 15 yesterday. It was walled, it was packed, it was standing room only. Ordinary, ordinary men and women from all backgrounds uh, came and you know expressed their anger, frustration, and fears 
of what the government is doing. And but but see, Pat, Pat that- there is a fear. And, and I'm, you know, I, I've known you for a long time, Patter, and I have a great respect for you that you speak out and you speak, you speak your mind. But there's always a fear that that's all well and good, you know, when you're in a small party or you're an independent. I hear independents speaking out on a regular basis too. I've spoken to Sharon Kyogen. I've spoken to many other independents who will speak out on a regular basis. But as soon as people become part of a party or a bigger government, they don't speak out anymore. And, and isn't that always the fear that if Pater Tobin, for example, for whatever reason, decided to join Fianna Fáil tomorrow, um, you know, for a bigger salary, and who could blame you for wanting to do that if you thought you were going to get into government? Although I don't think you'd be at the turncoat that would do that. I mean, that you'll all of a sudden, you'll just tow the party line. And isn't that what's happening in government? You've got ministers there, particularly, say, on the hate speech laws or whatever it happens to be, that they, when they're in the corridors, they're yapping away and going, this is bonkers, this is nuts. As soon as they walk into the dawn, they're asked to vote, they'll tow the party line and keep the whip. But first of all, I, I agree that that is the political culture amongst most TDs in, in the Dáil, that they they simply want to keep the seats. They stick their finger in the air to find out which way the wind is blowing. I was a member of a bigger party. That choice was put to me. I chose to stand by my principles. And as a result, I got forced out of that political party. And as a result, we've built AIMS 2, which is obviously growing around the country at the moment. And key to what we stand for is that ability to allow for people to stand up for what they believe in principles, elected reps, you know, not turning their coats, not putting their finger in the air to find out which way the wind is blowing. But just on that bill, it, the, the key element of the bill that we're, we're providing at the moment is we want to change the Gender Recognition Act uh, to ensure that a gender recognition certificate is not uh, understood to define uh, sex in terms of the prison service. So simply that would mean is that we would reverse to the original situation where men went to men's prisons okay. and women went to women's prisons. And that would keep, I believe, women far safer uh, in that space. Before you go, Patter, just very quickly, Hala McEntee has been quite busy all morning, by her own words, by the way, doing interviews. Interviews around the hate speech bill, uh, which has caused a huge amount of controversy, but they're still rolling on. Uh, she believes it's perfectly fine. It doesn't matter. Two attorney generals have told her she doesn't have to define the word hate. We've seen the Green Party, who are now gone viral around the world. By the way, Fox News even covered the video of Pauline O'Reilly suggesting it's okay to take away the freedoms of the Irish people in the name of the common good, which is absolutely bonkers. At least they're admitting it. The Green Party went as far as actually we tweeting Fox News. Uh, I don't know why, because it was putting them down and it was a very negative thing they had said about them. But either way, and we also have now the latest, of course, which is, I think everybody agrees that Garda Shia should have body cams. I don't think that's a big deal. And they are going, they, the Department of Justice said they're now going to be issuing them and procuring them for members of Garda Shia I think it's for their safety and the safety of the general public as well. But the biggest problem is the AI uh, facial recognition cameras. She said they will be used. Um, um, they, she says they will only be used at the Department of Justice in cases of serious crime. But, I mean, the fact is they're going to have to be there to catch those serious crimes. Members of the public may not be too pleased with facial recognition or AI facial recognition cameras. And already in the European Parliament, only 15 days ago, they voted unanimously to ban the use of facial recognition cameras in a public place. But yet the minister says we'll be using them. I mean, I don't know if George Orwell would be quite proud of the Ireland we're becoming. Uh, but do you agree with facial recognition cameras in a public place? Um, I, I think AI facial recognition cameras um, are absolutely wrong. Um, I think that AI is an enormously powerful tool that society doesn't even understand the level of strength that it, is, uh, it has. You know, we look at social media. I would liken social media to, to conventional weapons, but I would like, liken AI to nuclear power. And there, that's the difference uh, of the two technologies. And, you know, the idea that we would uh, hand over AI facial recognition 
uh, powers to the state and uh, puts the state in so much control. And at, at a time where, unfortunately, the state is actually, as you said earlier, looking to restrict democratic freedoms. Um, and, you know, coming out of the whole COVID crisis where we had, you know, uh, police guardian right here, you know, battening uh, young people off uh, uh, streets. And, um, you know, I do think that democratic freedoms are in are the, the foundation. They're fundamental to a liberal democracy. Yeah, well, and the ar- the argument have- from the minister and for the state is, well, you've done if you've done nothing wrong, you've nothing to worry about. Well, with, with the, the truth of the matter is um, that is not the case because at the at the moment the government is providing legislation that is so undefined uh, that it's absolutely in the eye of the beholder of what is gender, what is hatred, uh, etc. And when you create legislation that is so broad uh, potentially in its remits and so down to the interpretation of a judge uh, in future, what you do is you create a, an enormous chilling effect. So the people you know, absolutely may not necessarily get put into jail, but they will be afraid to say anything just because they don't want to go through the process of potentially prosecution, uh, which obviously is an enormous imposition uh, on someone's rights. And and then at the same time, when you give a nuclear weapon to the state in terms of AI facial recognition, well, then it, it is a very damaging situation. We need a balance of rights, a balance of powers between the state and the citizen to make sure that in that balance, we have justice and fairness and equality uh, experienced okay. by all citizens. And, you know, this government, I believe, and, you know, especially the Greens, have an authoritarian streak within them. I think that authoritarian streak was made visible by the uh, the words of Pauline O'Reilly in the, in the Senate when she said that democratic freedoms, not just freedoms, and I saw people say that she's looking to limit freedoms. She's looking to limit democratic freedoms. And democratic freedoms... In the name uh, of the common good, is what she said. In the name of the... And, 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 you know, when we hear people in history saying that we're going to limit democratic freedoms in the name of the common good, in all of those situations, it has led to... No, that's it's a a nonsense statement, by the way. That's like saying nobody's allowed to leave their house in case they commit a crime. That would be in the common good, wouldn't it? If everybody didn't leave their house, there'd be no crimes outside in the streets. So you, you can't limit freedoms, you know, to protect everybody. Unfortunately, there's always going to be crimes committed. Listen, Badder, it's been wonderful talking to you once again and continued success with AIN2. And I think the people of Ireland will thank you for that, Bill. And when when do should we see that going through the first stage or when do you hope to get it through the first well, we, stage? We've had about uh, six other TDs sign the bill so far. So um, I'm very thankful to the likes of Carol Nolan, Matty McGrath, etc. who signed it. I'm looking I'm to reach out to cross-party uh, individuals. I'm, I'm reaching out to TDs and Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and independents currently uh, and we have the bill implemented. I'm hoping to bring it to first stage before the summer recess. However, it's very chock-a-block in here. It is, moment, yeah. So it's going to be hard to do that. All right, listen, thank you very much indeed. A2's Pat Padre Tobin. Thank you for coming on the air and talking thank to us. Thank you very much, Niall. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Podcast. Listen live on Facebook, YouTube and all the usual live stream services. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text 085 100 2255. The Niall Boylan Podcast. They told me to shut up. Available for download from all your usual platforms.